0: This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. I hope you've had a great week. I hope the Lord's blessed you this week. Um, Continuing in the sermon series we're on, on what's next. Today is installation number five the marriage supper of the lamb. Are we talking about that today? If you've missed any of the sermons in this uh, whole series of what's next, they are online for you to watch and to listen to. Um, But I ask you one more time today, if you'd pray with me and ask the Lord to use me to deliver this message. God, I thank you. God, I praise you for this opportunity to be in your house today, to worship you, to serve you. God, I am not a A a prideful preacher But God rather not I'm a humble servant Just willing to do What you've asked me to do God I pray Lord That you would use me today That you do with me What you did with Moses When you promised him And you said I'll be with your mouth As you speak God let everything That comes out of my mouth Be ordained by the heavenly God above. God, Lord, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth would edify the body of Christ. God, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth would glorify you. So, God, today, for every single person in the, in this room and for every single person watching online today, I pray that you would anoint and, and open up our head, our mind, our ears, and our eyes to know, to hear, and to see the truth of your word today. Let it be transformative to us and let us be closer to you, God, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all this in your name. And everybody said, "Amen, amen and amen." We're going to be going to Revelation chapter nineteen. So if we go with me there, like I said, this is week five of a end times series on what's next. And we're going to be talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be talking about weddings and the marriage of the ages. Okay, weddings can be an amazing event, right? Thousands of dollars are spent. To produce a perfect moment in time that will join a couple in marital bliss. You, you try to put something together that you'll always remember. The bride is dressed in her elegant wedding gown. And the groom stands nervously at the front of the venue waiting in his best attire, his best dress. It's a special moment in the lives of those two people and for everybody who know and love them. It's a happy occasion. It's filled with singing With food, it's always good when you got food, right? July 19, 2008 was a day that I will always remember. I was so nervous, I asked Megan to be my husband. (laughs) And when everybody in the room began to laugh at me, I realized what I had said. You know, my dad is doing the wedding, and he's up there in the front, and Megan is just as beautiful as always, and I'm sitting here shaking. And because her dad does TV, we recorded the whole thing. So we go back and we listen to it because Megan said, you know what you said? I said, I didn't say that. No way I would have said that, right? I don't remember a thing about that day. I was so nervous. So we're up there in the front. We're watching the video, and dad's doing his thing. Repeat after me, I, Chris, I, Chris, take you, Megan, take you, Megan, to be my wife, to be my husband. And I said it. As clear as day, God help me. And we have proof, so if you ever want to watch it, just ask. We have it recorded. But I was nervous that day. You know, there's other weddings that have gone on in the history of America. We have a royal wedding, Prince Harry, you know, Kate, not too long ago. That wedding cost $70 million. I'm going to say that again as you kind of collect yourself. $70 million. Her dress was for over $400,000. The wedding cake was $80,000. The wedding ring was $136,000. All the boutiques that everybody wore, they totaled to $800,000. That's a royal wedding. An expensive one. But after all that money is spent on the wedding, guess what? It still doesn't guarantee a successful marriage because a lot of people hope and pray for the amazing wedding when really they should be hoping and praying for an amazing marriage. Come on. (laughs) Have you ever heard the term a marriage made in heaven? It's when two people just seem perfect for one another and you look at them and you just think they've got everything figured out. It's a perfect marriage and a perfect relationship. Well, the thing that with most marriages is even though it may seem like they are marriage made in heaven, they still have to be lived out on earth. And they still involve two very imperfect people living in an imperfect world. But I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that we serve a perfect God that can help you through any situation you face. No marriage is perfect. But there is, in the Bible, a marriage made in heaven. And and this will be a spectacular event. A marriage that will make the royal wedding pale in comparison. This marriage is between Jesus Christ and his church between Jesus and those who have accepted him into their lives. Let me tell you, it will be a glorious time. It will be a time of unparalleled joy, a time to rejoice, a time of blessing, a time of singing and dancing and celebration. And the Bible tells us that soon and very soon, this celebration is going to take place. I was talking to somebody this morning, and they said, how soon, Pastor?" I've heard it my whole life. It was preached since I was a little boy. As, as early as I can remember, the Lord's coming soon. Get ready. And 35 years later, the Lord's coming soon, so get ready. No one knows the time or the day that, the, that it will take place, but I'm telling you, I do believe with the events going on in our world that we are closer today than we've ever been. We have to make sure that we have a seat At the marriage supper of the Lamb. And when we get there, let me tell you something. We'll never be separated from our Savior again. Amen? Amen. So what's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Let's go ahead and dive into this real quick. First, the rapture takes place, right? Those who are dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive will begin to rise and will be changed, transformed, and redeemed, made like Christ. We'll be called up to meet Jesus in the air Will be will abide in heaven until the end of judgment that will take place on the earth. And then next, when right when we get to heaven, there will be an event called the judgment seat of Christ. This isn't where Jesus says you're in or you're out. That's called the white throne judgment that happens 1,000 years later when he comes And and it's the judgment of all those who did not accept Christ. But we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ where the rewards are handed out. We looked at this last week. But then next, there's a celebration. There's a homecoming. The Bible calls this event the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is what we're talking about. Revelation chapter 19. If you're there, we're going to start in verse number 6. This is what it says. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder. Shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For what? For the wedding of the lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me write this Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. So, why does God use this husband and wife terminology, okay? When we think of a marriage relationship, And we think of the word being intimate. It's hard for some of us, especially men, to understand the concept of being the bride of Christ and having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Therefore, it's important for us to understand what the word means. Intimacy is the closeness between people in a personal relationship. It's what builds over time as you connect with someone, grow to care about someone, and feel close and connected to someone. As a matter of fact, if you look in the dictionary, sex isn't mentioned one time about being intimate. What is being mentioned is a close, loving, personal relationship with each other. Let me tell you something. When we are intimate with Christ, it's because we have a close personal bond with Him that can never be broken. It's when everything that you do involves around Jesus Christ, Jeremiah chapter 2. God says to Israel, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Watch. I remember the devotion of our youth. How as a bride you loved me. Now look at the words. I'm, you know, I'm big on, um, on, 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 on the actual grammar. It says, I remember. So there used to be a time. There was a time long ago when how as a bride you loved me. But if you go down to verse 5, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me? That they strayed so far. They went after worthless idols and became worthless themselves. What's he saying? Why did you stop loving me? Remember the time when as the bride you loved me? Do you remember that time when everything you did was about me? Do you remember that time where you thought about me day and night when you prayed about me? Day and night when you asked me and, and I blessed you? Do you remember those times? What happened? What did the people of Israel find against me that you stopped loving me? Let me ask you this morning. What was it like in your bridal days? What was it like when you first knew God? What was it like when you first got saved? Do you have the same zeal, the same passion for God that you had at the beginning? Have you strayed from Him? Have you quit loving Him? Do you know God in the same way that He knows you? Do you love him like you did at first, or has your love grown stale and you've strayed away? You see, in Revelation chapter 2, God wrote to the church of Ephesus, and this was his complaint to them. He said, you have lost your first love. You are doing all the right things, but you don't love me like you once did. God doesn't just want you to serve him with empty emotions, but he wants you to love him like he loves you. Maybe some of us need to revisit the bridal days and return to that moment when we first got saved. That moment that we fell down flat on our face. That moment that we became in love with Jesus. You see, for a lot of Christians, the honeymoon phase ends when the first problem comes or when the prayer they knew God should have answered doesn't get answered. The test of time comes when the honeymoon phase ends and you still trust God. I trust him when what I see matches with what he said. We all know that. That's easy. I also trust him when what I see doesn't match what he said because I know he's true to his word and in his time it will happen. You see, I... How do I have that unmatched personal intimate relationship with God? You see my marriage is stronger today than it was 12 years ago. Why? Because Megan and I have been through stuff and we made it. We learned to trust when things get hard. We learned to love when things got hard. We learned to put ourselves to, to, to the bottom end and raise the spouse up we, we, we learn to do things for each other And not just for We're stronger today because we've been through stuff And let me tell you If you want that relationship with God Then you've got to be that way when things get hard You can't just give up and quit Because things around you get tough you got to keep on pushing through you got to keep on going And you can't quit Why? Because God is true to his word And he will always come through for you. The Bible talks about he's never left you and he'll never what? Forsake you. In every good situation, it's easy for us to say God was there. Can you say that when things get tough? I'm heartbroken, but God is still there. Things aren't shaping up the way I thought they would, but God's still there. My life didn't go in like I had planned it to. Keyword: I had planned it to. But I know you're still there, and I know you're still working things out for my good, and I know that you'll never leave me, and I know that you've never left me, and I know that you're not going to leave me alone. God, I know it's tough, but I still trust you. There's ten parts to a um, a Jewish wedding. And I want to move through these this morning to kind of give you a glimpse of what we can expect with the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's so much parallel between a Jewish wedding and what we will expect. Just just listen. It's absolutely amazing. And I do want to take a moment this morning to look at this because, again, it will help us understand the terms that God uses and help us understand the event that's coming. Okay? So the first one is this. Is the man selects the bride? The first step of a Jewish wedding is the selection of the bride. The first step in the process is that the groom carefully selects his bride. She doesn't choose him. She doesn't go ask him to be married, but he chooses her and he asks her. Also, the entire groom's household is much involved in the selection process. Let me tell you what John tells us in his gospel. You did not choose me But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Aren't you glad Jesus chose you? Aren't you glad this morning that despite every imperfection that we might have, Jesus chose you? Number two is the wedding agreement. After the selection is made, the young man and his home prepare this marriage contract or a marriage covenant. He then presents the marriage contract to the intended bride and her dad. This was a binding contract and could only be undone by divorce with proper grounds. A good example of this would be Mary and Joseph. We read about them in in, um, the Gospels. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant Even though they had just been engaged He had the right to divorce her Or have her stoned if he wanted to Because they were already under contract to be married They had not consummated the marriage yet Or began their married life together They were were under a covenant of marriage It isn't like in today's culture Today you get engaged But that engagement can be broken at any time before the wedding without consequence. Today it doesn't mean as much. And, and, and let me tell you something. We break promises all the time, but God never breaks a promise. You hear me? God has never broken a promise. This this is our wedding agreement in John chapter 3, where it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son, His one and only Son, so that everybody who believes in Him will not perish. But have eternal life. Whosoever believes in him will not perish. He's offering us life eternal. We don't deserve it. But he offers it to us because he chose us. And he offered us the contract. Number three, you have the bride price. Because let me tell you what happens in a um, a Jewish wedding included in the contract was a bride price, which was to compensate the young woman's parents for the cost of raising her. Hmm. As well as being an expression of his love for her. This is a picture of salvation because Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I. Listen, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the Bible says, and not only for ours. But also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price for his bride. And that price was his own life. This is Jesus' expression of love to us. He literally gave his own life so that you and I could live. He chooses the bride. He gives the the marriage contract. He gives the, the price. Number four is the proposal has to be accepted. So there's an acceptance time to see if the proposal was good. The young man, what he would do is he'd pour a cup of wine for his beloved and wait to see if she drank it. This cup represented a blood covenant, just to think about it. If she drank the cup, she would have accepted the proposal and they would be engaged. But if she refused the cup, she didn't accept it. Listen to what happened. When Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, Jesus poured the cup of wine, offered it to them, and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. He offered them, and they accepted. Today, Jesus, I'm telling you, is offering the same thing. Will you accept the covenant? Will you drink from the cup or will you push it away? You see, that's the question this morning. It's a choice. God's not going to push himself on you. He's not going to force himself. Now, it is his wish that all would be saved. It is his wish that all would come to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but he has given us a choice. He has poured the cup. He's offered the cup. Will you drink it? The acceptance. Number five is one of the most important ones because, listen, if she accepts the covenant, the young man would give her gifts, and then he would leave for a season with a promise to return. (laughs) You hear it? The young woman would wait for him to come back to her. And in the meantime, listen, she would be expected to keep herself pure because the groom is going to return for a pure bride. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, So that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Once we have accepted Jesus' proposal of a new covenant and we have become his betrothed, now we are expected to prepare ourselves for our marriage and we are expected to keep ourselves pure until he comes. Church, what's that mean? It means free from sin. The wonderful part about this is that Jesus offered grace. And that Jesus' blood makes us pure. We could never be pure on our own power, and we could never be worthy of a relationship with him, but he died and shed his blood to make us worthy and make us pure. The Bible says that Jesus died for us so that what? We could be a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. You see, Jesus' blood washes away the sins and the stains of your past. Do you believe that? But listen, the bride that Jesus is coming back for is a bride that has kept herself pure. God is not coming back for a bride that has been cheating. God's not coming back for a bride that's been running around. God's coming back for a bride that has put him first above everything else and has worshipped him wholly with all their heart and has left sin behind so that God, so that the church may, re, may remain pure. When the groom offered the marriage contract, he also gave the bride gifts to show her how much he loved her, to comfort her while he was gone. What gift did Jesus give us? John chapter 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send in my name. Watch this. Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you though as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Number five. Move on to number six. We have what we call a mikvah. The bride is then immersed in water. As a symbol of the covenant that she made This baptism Symbolized to everyone that she was spoken for That she was betrothed That her price had been paid, and everywhere she went, she would wear a veil to remind everyone that she was taken. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that Jesus commanded us all to be baptized in water in the name of what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the baptism represents how our sins have been washed away and how they are dead and buried with Christ and how we have been forgiven. Baptism is a celebration of the redemptive love that God gave us. It tells the whole world that we've changed. It tells the whole world that we belong to him. It's all part of the beautiful process in John chapter 3. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Listen. As a side note, if there's anybody in the room watching online, you say, pastor, I want to be baptized. I want to be rebaptized." Let me know I'd love to be a part of it. We need to do it. Number six, they had to the mikvah. Number seven, there was the wedding chamber or the chupa. Before leaving his betrothed, the young man would announce, "I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'll return for you when it's ready." Do you hear it? The usual practice was for the young man to return to his dad's house. To build a room onto the house. He was not allowed to skimp on the work. He had to get his dad's approval before he could say that it's done. He would tell him it was good enough. And if asked the date of the wedding, the groom would reply, only my dad knows. Think about it. What does John chapter 14 tell us? Let not your heart be troubled. Yet believe in me, believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When Jesus left earth, he went to heaven to prepare the wedding chamber. He went to his the house to prepare this new home for his bride. And when the disciples asked in Matthew chapter 24, when all of this would take place, watch what happens. He said, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Did you see it? Number eight, the call of the wedding. When the wedding chamber was ready and the dad gave the approval, the bridegroom would go get his bride. He could do this at any time, so the bride would have to always be ready. It was the custom for a bride to keep a lamp, her veil, and some other things beside her bed so that when he called, she was ready to go, even if it was late at night. She would always be watching, waiting, and anticipating when her groom would come for her. When the groom and his friends got close to the bride's house, they would give a shout, and listen, they would blow a shofar, and they should jump up, get their things, and go out of the house to meet them. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave a parable about ten virgins who were called to a marriage. When the bridegroom came, five of them were ready, and five of them were not. The ones who were not ready were rejected and not allowed to go in. This is a picture of the rapture. When the angel will blow the trumpet and those who are ready, Matthew chapter 24 says, therefore, keep watch for you don't know what day the Lord shall come. We have to be ready. We have to be watching i to move through this quickly. Number nine is the wedding. When the wedding party arrives back to the home, there would be a small ceremony and the newlyweds went into the wedding chamber alone, which symbolize the consummation of the wedding The time in the wedding chamber is symbolic of the time that we will spend in heaven with Christ while the world goes through judgment. It will be a time of rejoicing, of celebration, of reward, and with worship. We will come face to face with our Savior who died for us. We will know him as he knows us. We will know him in a way that we're never truly able to know him on this earth. In Isaiah chapter 62, he says, As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. Or oh, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And then lastly, number 10 is the marriage supper. <laughs> when the couple emerged from the wedding chamber, the wedding was complete. And so there would be a huge celebration And then the marriage supper would begin. The groom and the bride have their second cup of wine together. It's called the Simcha, which means gladness or joy. Remember in Matthew chapter 26 when Jesus was celebrating the Passover and and he offered them the cup of acceptance that symbolized the new covenant. Well, after they drank the cup, listen, he told them in Matthew chapter 6 verse 29, go ahead and put that up. It said, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine From now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. (laughs) And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, all those who have been accepted and, and brought in and allowed a seat will drink the cup of joy and gladness with their Savior. Let me tell you something. Revelation chapter 19, one more time if you come. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Like the roar of rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lord has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Listen, in closing this morning, I need you to check this out. Step one, the bride has been selected. That's his church. For two, the marriage contract has been made. He's offered us life eternal. Number three, the bride price has been paid at Calvary when Jesus died for our sin. Four, Jesus offered me the wine and I accepted it. I invited him into my life. I accepted his contract. Five, he has gone to prepare a place for me and he has promised a return. Six, I promise to stay pure until he returns and he gave me the Holy Spirit as my helper. Number seven, I have been baptized Show the world that I belong to Him. Steps one through seven have all taken place. Step eight, at any moment, the trumpet will sound. Are you ready? Step nine, the wedding will take place. I will know Him like He knows me. And number ten, I will have a seat at the table. And forever and ever and ever, I'll drink the wine of joy and celebration and peace and mercy When that moment comes when there's no more pain and there's no more hurt and there's no more sickness but I like eternal with you yes God. so in closing and I'm going to pray and then um, um, Jew will come one more time and take the offer I'd like to make a wedding toast, listen, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus spoke to them again in a parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who have been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my cattle, and put Everything is ready Come to the wedding banquet But what happened They paid no attention And went off One to his field Another to his business They didn't think he was being real They didn't think he was telling the truth They didn't think he was serious The rest seized his servants Mistreated them and killed them The king was enraged He sent his army And destroyed those murders And burned the whole city Then he said to his servants Watch The wedding banquet is ready but those I invited did not deserve to come hold on a second we, 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 we gotta read that again he prepared a table and they rejected it and instead one went to this business one went to that business and I went about my own merry way But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corner and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people. Watch. Not just the dressed and nice and smell clean and look good and look pretty and have a lot of money people. Watch what it said. The bad as well as the good. Did you hear that? And the wedding hall was filled with guests. What's my wedding toast for you today? That last part, the people from the street, that's you and I. It's time to go out and find all the bad and all the good and invite them to the wedding table because soon and very soon I will see the king and I want to make sure I'm bringing people with me. So my prayer for you today is that God would open up door after door after door after door after door after door door so we can see people saved. And I'm telling you right now, this pastor, if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, right now, just say, God, I accept you. If you're in this room and you don't know Him as your personal Savior, God, I accept you. If you're not sure and you want to make sure, God, I accept you. And He takes a piece of paper and He writes your name on it and he's and He leaves a seat open just for you so that when the day comes, joy, and gladness forever and evermore.